pray. Father, as we open your word together this morning, please meet us through your spirit. Teach us, convict us, inspire us, help us to be transformed to be more like Jesus. And we ask this in his holy name. Amen. Please be seated. Back in 2015, when we were living in Dallas, Texas, occasionally my wife and I would get to go to the Meyerson Symphony Center and see the Dallas Symphony. And there's one particular concert that we went to that was special. So at the time, we often got some of the worst, cheapest seats we could possibly get. You would be like two rows from the front and looking kind of up the nose of the performers. They were wonderful seats. But this was the Dvorak Cello Concerto, and it is one that my wife loves. So I got good seats. In fact, I got seats we'd never had before. These were seats that were up a level on the side, even with the stage. Not only that, no one was in front of you, and no one was behind you. You had room for your feet. They were amazing, incredible seats which I told her about throughout the entire first half of the performance. <laughs> Aren't these great seats? These are so awesome. They are so incredible. We've never had anything like these. Aren't these great seats? And then after the intermission, we came back for the cello concerto. Everybody's out. The cellist comes out. He sits down. We are looking right at the cellist. It was awesome until the conductor came out. And he walked right in front of the cellist, and that is where he stood for the concert. <laughs> now, if you've ever watched a conductor at a major symphony, they tend to move around a lot. And so as he would move, he'd be like, oh, there's the cellist. Oh, there's the cellist. And we're just kind of doing this whole time. And at some point, Erin leans over and she goes, great seats. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that cellist was the center of everything going on. When you have a concerto, everything is about that performer right there. The piece is written for that instrument, and everything supports it. Everything is driving and lifting up that centerpiece right there. And yet for us, there were things blocking the very center of the concert. As we come to the end of Ecclesiastes, so we've spent five weeks now. Three of those weeks were all about the things that will not bring us meaning and satisfaction in life, no matter how much we pursue them. Last week was the first positive, that one of the gifts God has given us is the everyday. It's our relationships. It's a good meal. It's the sun shining down and warming us. It's nature. I mean, there's all these beautiful gifts that God has given, and we live into those. But today, as he ends, he gives the final thing. And it's something we all know. The center of our lives should be God. And yet, it's not that we don't know that. It's all the things that go up around it that block it. 
It's all the things that hide that from view at moments. It's all the things that get in the way of actually living out God being the center. Much like that conductor standing right in front of the chalices. And so I want to throw out a question for you personally just to think about. What stands in the way of God truly being the center of your life? Now, what he's going to say is what to do and why. So, I invite you to open up a Bible. If you use a pew Bible, I'll give you a page number as soon as I get there. It's Ecclesiastes chapter 12. And in the pew Bible, it is page 962. Page 962. As we get to chapter 12, this is the conclusion. This is the ending of all of it. And I mentioned last week, he gives very few commands throughout Ecclesiastes. Most of it is observations. So we jump to chapter 9 where he gave some commands. He also ends with a command. Here it is. Chapter 12 and verse 1. Remember your creator. That word remember is an imperative. It's a command. Remember your creator. That is his final command, ultimate conclusion of all of this. And I want to break down what that is for a moment and then talk about why. Because the whole rest of the chapter is a why. Why remember your creator? The word remember, it means to intentionally recall in your mind in such a way that it would impact what you do. Remember your creator. If you go back, and I'm going to read a couple of verses here out of Deuteronomy. I'll give you the page number if you want to follow along. Deuteronomy chapter 8. This same term is used. Page 261, if you want to turn to it in the Pew Bible. Deuteronomy chapter 8, this gives you a picture of, I think, our lives, things that end up blocking us from seeing God as the center, and why we need this command, remember your creator. Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 10, when you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he's given you. He's talking about the Israelites going into the promised land. They've been rescued from Egypt, and he's leading them into the good land. Verse 11, be careful that you do not forget. This is the opposite of his remember command. That you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his decrees that I'm giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, And when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. He led you through the vast and dreadful wilderness, that thirsty and waterless land with its venomous snakes and scorpions. He brought you water out of the hard rock. He gave you manna in the wilderness to eat. 
something your ancestor had never known to humble and test you so that in the end it might go well with you. You may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. Here's the same verb. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your ancestors as today. Go ahead and turn back to Ecclesiastes 12, and let me just speak for a minute on that. Look, here's the image. They come into the land. They're receiving the gifts God has given. But over time, they forget. They forget all God has done because why? Things are going well. Do you ever forget God when things are going well? I mean, it's really easy when things are going bad. Because when things are going poorly, we want to cry out to God and ask for help. The longer things go well, the easier it is to forget. And to even get to a point, as he says here, where we might begin to go, at least in our hearts, I've done this. I doubt anybody in here ever stands up and just go, yeah, it's all on me. I'm awesome. I'm the hero. I've done it all. We don't do that. But we do it in our hearts and in our minds as we slowly forget what God has actually provided. And we forget. And Ecclesiastes, he says at the very end, here's my command. Remember, because it's so easy to forget. It's so easy to get lost in all other things. Remember your creator. Put him at the center. Right? Um, I don't know what you think about the Puritans. Um, there's some really good things, and maybe it's not some good things. Um, but I want to tell you one thing about a certain colony of Puritans. They put God at the center and they kept him there over time. Uh, here's what happened. They were in England and they were suffering certain amounts of persecution for their faith. And they felt that their children could not be raised in the faith if they stayed there. And so an entire colony moved to Holland to try to keep God at the center and to teach their children. Well, things got bad there over time throughout that generation. And so then the same colony moved to America. Again, to keep God at the center and to make sure they could raise their children knowing him. And when they built their city, guess what was at the very center of the city? The church. You'd have a town square, but the church would be right at the center so that all paths would go there. The tallest building, that was the focal point, both literally and symbolically. And here's something that was written about them, and I thought it was really beautiful. William Bradford wrote this. So they left the godly and pleasant city, which was their resting place. But they knew they were pilgrims, and looked not much on these things, but lifted their eyes to the heavens, their dearest country, and quieted their spirits. All the way through this journey, God remained center, no matter what it took. That's what Ecclesiastes is talking about. Remember your creator. Make him the center. And here is why. And this is going to get potentially a little bit depressing. However, we have two sets of people here today. 
we have people in the first part of their life and we have people in the second part of their life. This message is going to ring differently depending on where you're at. But no matter where you are, I want you to hear this. If you're in the second half of life, you're going to relate to it. If you're in the first half of life, I promise you, it's true. Get ready. Here's what he does. Why do we need to focus and remember and make God the center? Back into Ecclesiastes 12. Remember your creator in the days of your youth, before the days of trouble come, and the years approach when you will say, I find no pleasure in them. Here's what happens when you get older, and he's going to give some details that we're going to go through, but here's what happens. Number one, time speeds up. Anybody who thinks time is a constant has not grown older. <laughs> because the older you get, here's what I remember. Back when I was in elementary school, summer seemed really long. Now that I turn 50 this year, a year does not seem really long. <laughs> it just goes by like that. When we had our first child, the number of people with older kids who said to us, they grow up so fast. They grow up so fast. I just took one to look at colleges. And it feels like yesterday she was like this big, trying to learn to walk. Time speeds up. And you get to a point where this is true, and we'll, just, we'll see why. I find no pleasure in them. Now, I don't want to overdo this, but the older you get, things break down physically, mentally, Things get harder, and you get more pain in your life. More people around you pass away, and you start to notice just how crummy the world can really be the older you get. And so this quote, I find no pleasure. Now, here's what he does. Read along with me. This is poetic the whole way through. If you like poetry, this is for you. If you don't, I don't know, hang in there. Hopefully it'll be good anyway. Verse 2. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars grow dark and the clouds return after the rain, big general picture, things are getting bleaker. Even to the point that it rains and the clouds just come back again instead of it raining and the sun coming out. Verse 3, when the keepers of the home tremble, likely talking about the limbs as you get older and you start to get a little bit of a tremor in your limbs. And the strong men stoop. Anyone notice as you get older that you kind of start to bend a little bit? I've seen plenty of older men who are kind of bent over like this. When the grinders cease because they are few, as you begin to lose your teeth. My mother, who's in her 70s, has a number of false teeth. And those looking through the windows grow dim. The eyesight starts to fade. Um, I usually have to wear glasses when I read the scriptures, but I forgot them. They're in the chapel, so I didn't want to run out there and get them, so I'm just squinting. Or I'm doing this. See, I can see just fine from back here. <laughs> but it looks really funny to read from back here. When the doors to the street are closed and the sound of the grinding fades as you begin to lose your ability to hear. When the people rise up at the sound of the birds, but all their songs grow faint. I love this part. So the older I get, the harder it is to hear, and yet when I'm asleep, I hear everything. I can't seem to make it through the night. Every little thing wakes me up. <laughs> so I can't hear as well, and yet I get woken up more easily. 
When people are afraid of heights and the dangers of the streets, the more frail you get, the more fearful you may become. When the almond tree blossoms, guess what color it blossoms? White, just like the hair turns the older you get. And the grasshopper drags itself along, so I move slower than I used to. And I know the older I get, I'm going to keep moving slower and slower most likely. I'm dragging myself along. And desire no longer is stirred. Um, And that is exactly what it sounds like. Sexual desire. Then people go to their eternal home and mourners go about the streets. Remember him before the silver cord is severed. The golden bowl is broken. Before the pitcher is shattered at the spring and the wheel is broken at the well. And the dust returns to the ground it came from. And the spirit returns to God who gave it. Here's the first reason. Youth is fleeting. Life is fleeting. You grow up and you cannot stop it. You will get older and older and older and you cannot turn it back. There's no fountain of youth. You just will experience everything that everyone experiences as they get older. I feel like as I get ready to turn 50... There are so many little things from an ache in a joint to standing up and, where did that come from? Now I'm limping on this knee. Like, what in the world is happening? Just little things that keep breaking down. My memory? All right, so Bill does not know this story, but I'm going to tell him now. Um, Bill is on vestry, and for the last two years, we've hung out numerous times, and we've gotten wine together and coffee together and um, and there was a time not long ago when after a vestry meeting, Bill and I were going to set up a time to get together. And I pulled out my phone and we set up a time and I put in 129 and then I went to put in his name. And I could not remember it. <laughs> He's standing in front of me and I'm like, hey, pal, uh, dude. Uh, I mean, it just... But you know how often that happens now? Like these little moments of just, what in the world? Why can't I remember that? Like, yes, it used to happen when I was 20. Now it happens like five times that often. Everything is falling apart. You cannot stop that. So remember your creator in the days of your youth. Richard Overton died in December 2018 at 112 years old. He was not only the oldest man in America, he's also the oldest World War II vet. 112. He is an anomaly. (laughs) He not only survived the war, but this is what he said about his long life. He credited God for his long life, but also his love of cigars and whiskey helped. He said, I've been smoking cigars from when I was 18 years old, and I still smoke them about 12 a day. (laughs) If you smoke 12 a day, I guarantee you, you aren't going to be as lucky as Richard. (laughs) Back when he was 109, they interviewed him, and he said this, I feel happy that I've made it. I know I can't make it another 109, so I'm pretty satisfied with this one. 
And when, he, when they asked him, how long? He said, that's what only God knows. That's God's work. He's the one who kept me living this long. It's out of your hands. You have right now and until the end. <laughs> you don't know when it is. You don't know when God will take you. But here's what you know. The older you get, the harder certain things are going to get. So remember your creator and live out your youth all you can right now. And lastly, he gives the conclusion. And here it is. Verse 9. Not only was the teacher wise, but he also imparted knowledge to people. He pondered and searched out and set in order many proverbs. The teacher searched to find just the right words. The words of the wise are like goads. Goads are the things that keep the animal going in the right direction. The words of the wise are like that. They keep us going in the right direction. Their, co their collected sayings are like firmly embedded nails. Right? They're embedded firmly in the wood and they keep the structure solid. They keep our lives solid when we will follow them. Given by one shepherd, be warned, my son, of, addition, of anything in addition to them, of making of many books there is no end and much study wearies the body. That is a point of saying this. The, collection, the collected sayings of the wise are super important for our lives. But don't just read and study and read and study and read and study and read and study and read and study because it won't do anything but wear you out. Instead, learn the sayings and live them because that's their point. They're meant to be the goads. They're meant to be the firmly established nails. They're meant to build the structure strong. So learn them and do them. And then here it is. Now all has been heard. All 12 chapters. It's all been heard. Here's the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the duty of all mankind. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. This is the final thing. In fact, the word duty is not there in Hebrew. What it says in Hebrew is this is the whole of man. This is everything we were created for. This answers his original question. Do you want to know how you find meaning, satisfaction, value, fulfillment in life? You do what you were designed for. You were made in whose image? God's. Do you want to know how to find the ultimate fulfillment in your life if you're made in his image? Have fear, reverence, and awe of him and follow the things he set out for you. Because those are the things that actually are set out for you as you're designed. Do you know that the commandments of God were never meant to make you miserable? They were not meant to be the, all right, here's all the things you don't get to do. Everybody else does. But you have to not play cards and not dance and not, no, no, those were all made up later. Those are not in scripture. God actually likes us to laugh and to have fun and to enjoy life. But he set up the commandments because he's the one who wired us and he knows what makes us tick. The fulfillment, the whole of man, fear God and follow his commands. That is what it means to be human. You are never more human than when you honor God. 
Because that is literally what you're created for as the only thing in all of creation made in the image of God. A few years ago, a high school teacher named George Pettigrew, he was in a teacher conference when he got a call. It was his daughter, he had three kids, and his daughter said, Dad, the house is on fire. And as he tried to get more information, the line went dead. So he ran out of there, jumped in his SUV, and just tore off, going to home. Partway through, he hit a, something in the road that flipped the SUV. He rolled. The SUV landed upside down. He crawled out of the SUV, and he ran the rest of the way home to get to his kids. The house burned down. Praise the Lord, the kids weren't in it. But you can imagine what the kids thought of their dad. They called him a hero. The news interviewed him, called him a hero. This is what he said. He said his actions were nothing special. He was just being a dad. That's what I would think. I mean, yes, there's part of me that looks at it and goes, dude, go at it. And yet, is there a dad in here that wouldn't? Is there anything that would keep you from your kids? Anything that would keep you from getting them safe if you could do it? That's just what it means to be a dad. Do you know what it means to be human? To honor God. To put him at the center. To follow his ways. That is what it means to be human. And it's ultimately where we find our greatest meaning. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for your word that teaches us about you and about us. I pray that each one of us might find our ultimate meaning in you and whatever stands in the way from making you the center. Lord, help us to remove those things. In Jesus' name. Amen.